Welcome back to Real Phonies, where we take a love for movies and television and combine it with very little knowledge about movies and television. I'm your host, Christian. Join with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Joseph. Yellow. And Jay Hugh. This week to talk about uh, what everyone's talking about, it seems like. Well, they were up until today. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't. I don't know if that's Disney. true. If that's just your Twitter algorithm, dude. My Twitter algorithm is full of very upset people. Oh yeah, um, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> here to talk about the Disney Plus supposed limited series that that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. Kenobi, you know, starring the usual people: Ewan McGregor as Obi Wan Kenobi and Hayden Christensen as Anakin and. Slash Darth Vader. You say the usual uh, people. It was a big deal that Hayden Christensen came back for this. It, and man, it was. And you know what? I'm so happy that everyone welcomed him. That was the best yeah. part of the whole thing for me. I, I would I, say the, the more notable uh, returns are uh, fucking Joel Edgerton as Uncle Owen and uh, James Earl Jones. Oh, also James Earl Jones. No, I was yeah. thinking of, of uh, Senator Organa. I can't think of his name. Oh, Jimmy uh, Smith. Jimmy Smith. Yeah, James Earl Jones was the most surprising to me because honestly, first of all, he sounded a lot better than he sounded in Rogue One. So I was like, oh, this must they just got a computer doing this shit. It's not even him. But apparently it was him. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I think I feel like for Rogue One, they didn't do whatever voice effects that were in like the original movie. And so it was just like him talking. Right. And that didn't sound right at all, particularly since he is like a 90 year old man now. Right. Do we want to start off? Uh, well, I guess the general plot of this show is we find Obi-Wan Kenobi sad and lonesome on Tatooine for doing his duty protecting young Luke Skywalker when he gets a message from an old friend about Princess Leia being kidnapped and he is sent on a mission across the galaxy where he encounters old friends and old foe. Sadly, no, no Dexter in this limited series. Uh, but what do we think? Uh, you know, man, I, I first of all, I really liked that he was a space hobo. Like, you know, more space hobo content, I say. You know, I, I like this a lot. I, I'm seeing a lot of people who are saying, oh, man, this is great. It totally fixed the prequels. Or they're saying, oh, man, this sucked. It totally ruined the original trilogy. And I just don't get either of those takes. It's just a pretty good thing on its own. There might be... You could probably, you know, find some continuity errors, but if you can't fix continuity errors in your head, then what the fuck are you doing in Star Wars? You know, like the prequels, you know, don't line up at all with the original trilogy, really. You just make it work in your head because the laser sword fights are fun. That's what Star Wars is, baby. Right. I mean, to that point, I actually think this does a pretty good job, actually, of bridging the two. Um, For example the use of the word Darth in A New Hope. When he, when he calls him Darth at the time, whatever, we're like, oh, no big deal. Then the prequels come out and we're like, wait, like a lot of Sith are called Darth? Like everyone is called right. Darth? So why would Obi-Wan call Anakin that in A New Hope? But the confrontation these two have near the end kind of frames it in a new light. And helps you understand how we go from the guy in episodes one, two, and three to the guy we get in four, five, and six. Well, you know, I should clarify. I'm not saying I really found a bunch of continuity errors in this, but I wasn't really looking for them either. I was more just saying I don't understand how this kind of shit lives and dies by that for you. You know what I'm saying? Oh, no, totally agree. I, I actually think this, uh, my point was, I actually think this fixes continuity errors that already existed. Right. To your point about the prequels and the original trilogy like 
I feel like anything that we've had, like Rebels, Bad Batch, this, anything that exists in the Rebellion era, mm-hmm. um, which to me is the most interesting era of Star Wars, so I, I'm all for more content in that time frame, is it has to thread this very difficult needle of essentially two separate stories George Lucas was telling that he claims is the same story. Right, right, right. And I think this does a pretty good job. I actually really like this show. Uh, I liked it from the very beginning. uh, And I know a lot of people did not. Um, But I appreciated sad Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like, I think if if you think about who Kenobi is at the end of Revenge of the Sith and who he is at the beginning of A New Hope, they are not the same guy. Like that guy has to learn something to right. get to where he is. And so I appreciated that we got to watch that learning something. And again, the guy in the new hope is very chill, very mellow. It's almost as if he didn't almost try to murder his son slash best friend slash brother. Right. And so like, I, I, I think we need to deal with the consequences of those actions. And I think the show does a pretty good job. I think the real standout to me, that girl is great as Leia. And, you know, I know a lot of the Internet hated her, but I think Reva is really good, uh, especially by the end of the show. Uh, I think they do really interesting things with that character. And if you could not figure out who she was within the first five minutes of the show, I'm sorry. You're stupid, even for the Star Wars fandom. Right. Yeah, I agree. Uh, of the new cast, those two were both the best. The little girl was could be pretty taxing as Leia, but she was supposed to be. She was supposed to be a handful. So that's a good job of doing that. The one person who I don't think he should have brought back was uh, Aunt Peru. I, I don't think that girl has acted at all since Revenge of the Sith. And she's not asked to do anything but hold a fake baby at the end of that movie. And <laughs> she's only got like five minutes of screen time in this, and they're not a good five minutes. Right. Well, I mean, I think maybe they might have asked her back more having to do with what she's went through outside of those movies than, you know, actually needing that actress back as that character. Mm hmm. Joseph, tell us how you hated it. Y'all, I was worried this is going to happen. What? I was hoping we'd be able to find a middle ground here. (laughs) I hated this dumb piece of shit so goddamn much. I hated this series so much, particularly like. As it went on, I feel like I, I wasn't like super into it. I feel like I kind of got more into it in like maybe two to three. And then like the rest of it was just absolute dumb as dumb, dumb, dumb horseshit that I've ever had to put my fucking eyes on. Had to. Uh, it's made me so mad at, at just this series. This made me think that the whole Disney Plus as a whole was a bad idea. I'm good with just slagging it all, pretending it never fucking happened. Because, because really, you know, I guess there are some good stuff, maybe in WandaVision, maybe in Loki, but really, are these fucking things expanding anything in these brands? To, to me, it's all just fucking, I don't know. Every, everything I, I watch makes me hate the property a little bit more. And this one was absolutely the most prominent among them. Well, I would like to hear what you have issues with specifically. I mean, we can, we can do that. I don't know what our format's going to be for... Uh, well, we can't break down all six episodes. That's just going to take too much. <laughs> yeah. And I really don't think, because I mean, really, even though there's six episodes, they kind of feel more like three two-part episodes. I can see that. You know, like the first two was Space Hobo getting his shit together. 
The second two was, you know, really the protecting the kid, finding out about Anakin. And then the last two was just all the shit coming together and falling apart. But uh, yeah, I, I, so what, you know, I, I want to hear what you hated about this too. Like I, I, for the most part, thought it was fun. I don't, I'm not I don't want, there wasn't dumb shit in it, but <laughs> you know, oh man, see, this is, I, I don't even, I don't, I guess I do hate it enough to talk about it, but I just, <laughs> it's just, it was a dispiriting experience for me. And, and my poor wife watched it with me. And we were both just like cringing at each other. Uh, especially in the last three episodes all the way through. First off, the writing for everybody is god fucking awful. It is it is like the first draft from an eighth grader uh, who's writing Star Wars fan fiction and they just never went back and changed any of the lines. So here's my issue with that. Star Wars is written for fucking eighth graders. Oh, 100%, 100%. I'm not disagreeing with you. Uh, I, here's my thing. I think this, <laughs> this fucking uh, series is worse than Revenge of the Sith for me. And you guys know I don't like Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith is like the worst of George Lucas's writing, and this is notably below that, I think. Yeah, I don't feel that way at all. I don't feel like it's the smartest thing I've ever seen. I don't want to claim that. But every line of dialogue in this show is better than I Hate Sand. <laughs> but you're an Attack of the Clone purist for some fucking reason. So purist is a strong word, but <laughs> I, I am a defender. I don't expect you to understand my malice towards that, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I agree. I actually think, um, what's her face? Uh, the, the actress who plays Leia is very good. I just don't like that characterization. I get that she's supposed to be like, you know, precocious and smart, but I also just kind of feel like it's a cop out because they don't want to write how kids are, which is even more apparent when she's talking to that other kid in the first episode where she was to be showing like how smart she is. And the other kid doesn't even bully her like a normal kid would. <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember what he does. But he's like bullying her based on her like father's tax bracket. It's like, that's not what kids do. Doesn't he bully her because she's adopted? Yeah, I don't she fucking does. know. She, he does. He abor- uh, bullies her because she's adopted. It's Which dumb. is totally a thing a fucking kid would do. It's dumb <laughs> that's shit. That's true. If another kid knows you're adopted, they're going to use that as something against you. That is absolutely going to happen. Sometimes you don't even have to be adopted for them to use that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> absolutely. I also like I, I also liked the performance of the 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 girl who plays Riva and like I thought the character as a as a whole was like pretty neat. I liked the idea. I loved her like dread hawk that shit was dope. There's a whole sequence in uh, episode two or three where it's like a, a bad Obi-Wan action sequence on rooftops and she is in a different spot in the rooftops doing parkour for what seems like 15 consecutive minutes split up over a 40 minute episode uh, for it to amount to nothing. She never actually catches anybody. I don't know. It's it, there's, there's just so many just goofy, dumb, dumb, dumb shit. And it, like, that's the thing, like the, that episode was probably one of my favorite ones because it reminded me of episode two on Coruscant. And if you guys well, know me, you know to. the you want to buy some death stick scene episode two is one of my favorite star wars scenes <laughs> i i don't know we can go into individual things if we want to i guess we already are the the fucking why is the other so i get why we have the grand inquisitor and i get why we have darth vader what are the other inquisitors there for like what's the fucking dude who just like mumbles yells things at people like what is he even there for who told him that that was the correct choice for any character I, I can't tell you why those guys are there. I do think it's a good thing that they kind of disappear the first. Hundred percent, and that's the in. thing. Like they don't amount to anything. They just disappear after episode three, and we never reference them again. I do love that that guy is uh, what's his butt from Fast and the Furious, though. Han, yeah. Han, yeah. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, poor Han. I feel like they did Han dirty. 
I don't know that that guy ever was, you know, an A-lister, but certainly being like hit away in monster makeup, I do feel like he's probably a step above that. Uh, I, think, I, I think all he had to do was stand there and he'd be more menacing than whatever his actual character was. Uh, those hats are really dumb. Well, let me ask you this. How did you feel about like the very classical, you know, cyclical storytelling in this, that it's basically the first six films retold again? You're going to have to walk me through that. Tell me what you mean by that. So you say the second one reminds you of Attack of the Clones. It's supposed to. It's supposed to be Obi-Wan encountering similar situations he experiences through his life, but coming to a different conclusion. Mm. The first one is him reluctantly taking care of a child that he didn't want to do, just like he does Anakin Skywalker in The Phantom Menace. The second one, absolutely, that planet's supposed to be just like Coruscant. He comes across a clone trooper in it. The third one, he fights Anakin for the first time. Uh, I could keep going and give you an example on all of them. But the whole point being is that Obi-Wan encounters essentially similar circumstances, but comes to a different conclusion, which is what allows him to be the Obi-Wan Kenobi we know him to be later on. It's uh, for, you know, number six, he doesn't kill Darth Vader, of which, of course, he can't story-wise. But he, in that same situation earlier, tried to kill Anakin. And, and this time does something that, you know, Luke does in, in Return of the Jedi. The point being, did you, I guess you didn't pick up on I that. I did not pick up on that. I, I guess really you could say in the sixth one, alternatively, he doesn't save Darth Vader at the end of the sixth one. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. Yeah. He, he just chooses not to kill him. He just chooses to, to, I don't know, just walk away for no reason. Um, well, he can't do anything. At that point, you're limited by what you already know comes later. Well, I mean, so that, that's a big, I, I wonder so much why that was such a big part of, of this story. Like why we decided to center it around Luke and Leia. I don't have issues with, you know, whatever, like a continuity. I don't give a fuck about that. But like, you know, uh, narratively, like stakes wise, it, it is kind of dumb because we know many of the major play, uh, players here, like the exact outcome that's going to happen at the end. So I'm not worried about Luke down on fucking Tatooine. I'm not worried about Leia's safety. I'm not worried about fucking anybody's safety. Well, I don't know why this couldn't have been like a story about like Obi-Wan receiving a distress signal from some Jedi. He was close to an old Jedi master. He didn't know was still alive and they have to, I don't know, face some threat together and do similar fucking character development things. But then we don't actually know how the story ends. <laughs> We don't know if whoever new people he's invested in uh, a die or not, or, you know, whatever the outcome is. I mean, I don't, that doesn't really upset me. I mean, I, I get that point. I understand where you're coming from. I don't think that upsets me because the point of the show is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like I, I don't have to worry about Leia. I know, obviously I know where she ends up, but also the show's not about Leia. Like it doesn't really matter what the circumstance is, as long as we see Kenobi becoming who Kenobi should be. Did anyone else have issues with Kenobi being uncharacteristically kind towards droids? Man, my biggest complaint, my biggest thing you can't fucking fix is Obi-Wan Kenobi not knowing R2-D2 and C-3PO. Like, <laughs> fucking, that was the easiest thing to avoid. And um, somehow George fucked it up hard across three prequel films. <laughs> and uh, yeah, this doesn't do anything to fix that. That was always one of my favorite characterizations in the Clone Wars series that kind of it was it was supposed to be a clear distinction between him and Anakin, where Anakin always like was pretty kind and like saw droids as I don't know if he saw them as, as like, you know, people, but he saw them as more than just like tools. Whereas for uh, Obi-Wan, they were always just like replaceable. If, if one of his droids got exploded, he just got another droid. It doesn't really matter. Right. They're just, they're just a, it's, it's like a hammer or a chainsaw or something, you know? I don't know. I'll it, tell you what I, I do think limits this show 
and kind of to your point is if if you didn't have the Darth Maul encounter in Rebels, that would have been what this show is about. And it probably wouldn't have suffered as much of the you have to force the plot to do a certain thing to get these people where they are later on. Uh, but because you already told that story and you told it great. Uh, right. If you haven't watched Rebels, the Obi-Wan Maul fight is fucking incredible. I agreed. If you didn't tell that there, then you probably would have freed this show up a lot more to do something different and probably more what people wanted it to. I mean, look, there's a million dumb things. Reva's whole existence is, is incredibly dumb in the idea that she's been hatching this, this lifelong uh, revenge mission only to just be like, ooh, Obi-Wan's haphazard plan that he, we haven't talked about sounds good. I'll risk it all for that is really dumb and it is really wasteful, I feel like, to what was, I, I feel like, kind of a cool character. The the decoy uh, escape ship in that same episode is the dumbest, dumbest shit. I don't know. It, it, it's like, does this shit not bother you? I know it's dumb Star Wars. I know it's a thing for 10-year-olds, but like, there's no reason to do this stuff. You could just do something not as dumb. <laughs> uh, the decoy ship did not bother me at all. Not even a little was... bit. Not even no, a little bit. Fine. Yeah. And to your point about Reva and Obi-Wan, like, I, even back to the rooftop bit, I don't think Reva ever had a real plan other than to get to Obi-Wan Kenobi. I think that was her plan. I don't think she had a fucking plan after that. But the, I think but, he was the, always the, key the to The root it. plan, the whole Obi-Wan plan was, was based on was getting Darth Vader in, in some kind of position where she had an advantage over him. Yes. My point, my point is that I don't think for her, the, you take the, the, the plan, you know, just giving up whatever she's doing and, and joining in on Kenobi's plan. I'm saying I don't think she ever had a plan. She knew Kenobi was alive because Vader was hunting for him. And she thought, if I can get to this guy, this guy can help me win. That was her whole plan. I don't think she ever wanted to capture or kill him. And so when he finally presents himself and presents an opportunity, she jumps on it. Whether it's smart or not, yeah. But I feel like the, that was the, her whole purpose in herself anyway, was I need to get to this guy. This guy will help me succeed. He's already tried once before. Why wouldn't he help me do it again? That kind of thing. Which I think is a perfectly justifiable motivation. There are a lot of thin threads that allow this whole story to exist, but isn't one of, one of the most annoying ones that Emperor Palpatine just didn't tell Darth Vader not to go after Obi-Wan before this started? Yeah, I did not like the Palpatine bit. Isn't that like this? <laughs> Going back yeah. to, to the episode six, talking about kind of the final confrontation mirroring. Also, also like narratively, why is the solution to like, beating Darth Vader, literally physically overpowering Darth Vader. Like, does that make the most sense in this context? I mean, I do agree. I wish there would have been some way that Obi-Wan outsmarted him. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, first I, off, it, I mean, yeah, it, it's it's both Vader in his prime. It's, you know, we've established it that, you know, he's getting his wheels back under him, but Obi-Wan's a little rusty. He's definitely older. But also, yeah, I mean, that's always been kind of the thing is, is you know, Anakin is just is just raw force and Obi-Wan's a little fucking tricksy. He's like Odysseus. Right, right. Yeah, he's he's more clever and he's more dishonest. So, yeah, yes. I do agree. Some sort of dirty trick. I don't, I don't like the fact been. that he, he like got a power up from the power of friendship or whatever. And, uh, and and came in in his second form and beat Darth Vader like, you know, in a head to head. That didn't I, and that's not even it didn't even make sense. It's just like that's not interesting i don't know like that's just not an interesting way to end that also on that note other dumb thing immediately after that so we cut off the mask we get hayden christensen's weird whitey face but then there's a bit where the voice modulator isn't working 
and you find out that Hayden Christensen's voice still fucking works. Yeah, I don't. Is that an issue for you? Yeah, you, I don't have a problem with that. You, you guys realize that's a ro- like that's totally a robot chicken sketch. That means that means that that motherfucker like once you put on the suit is like this doesn't sound good enough. How can I make it sound cooler? <laughs> and just I sat mean, there inflated with his fucking voice modulator, and he was like, "Yeah, this sounds like a powerful voice." I mean, but he's the thing right, is, but it's so fucking stupid. That's the thing I've never understood. Why do you? Why in things like this is it a problem for something to have been done just because it was cool? You know, it's like you do it's shit because like, it's cool. There's no, there's no reason that you can't make Darth Vader that way. But the idea that Hayden, uh, that Anakin Skywalker as Darth Vader is sitting in his fucking chambers in his weird little capsule thing that puts all his clothes on and is sitting there being like, hmm. Is this the right pitch? Am I getting enough rasp in here? How are my breathing effects? Is this going to sound intimidating enough to my stormtroopers? I hate you guys. I can't fucking do this anymore. I mean, you know, it's funny because uh, a lot of your uh, a lot of your things you're saying you don't like about this. I haven't really had strong arguments against except in just, well, I did like it. You know, like, like I enjoyed it. I can't really argue against you not enjoying it. But that one, that one, I feel like I, I can argue against because I, you know, I think, first of all, I don't think there has to be a practical reason for it. Like, it could just be, hey, this is how I want to fucking sound now. I'm the Dark Lord of the Sith. I want to sound <laughs> fucking cool. But if you do need a practical reason, maybe he realized that the reason that he had such a hard time getting anyone uh, obi-wan on board with him as anakin is because he had a really annoying voice (laughs) you know what i'll take that that is a that is a valid reason i love that moment uh between the two of them because of how much it mirrors the ahsoka moment in rebels i mean even the same lines of dialogue there's a lot of imagery there ahsoka breaks the left side of the mask obi-wan breaks the right side of the mask uh, the only one who truly breaks the mask is Luke. Um, like, there's all sorts of just, you know, deep moments, but especially the kill. You didn't kill Anakin. I did. Like, I thought, fucking great. Do we uh, like the, what, hey, why do we like that line? Because I think it shows truly that there's always been this tough balance that Darth Vader that you see in A New Hope is this dark, scary, super intimidating guy the entire galaxy fears, right? But for some reason, this dopey, whiny kid from Tatooine's like, no, nah, my pa's in there, and he's a good dude. He's murdered probably billions of people, but I <laughs> swear he's a good guy. And they don't ever really do anything in the original trilogy to show you that balance, except for him killing the Emperor at the very, very end. Right. Um, and so what I and so you get the prequel films and you know, people can disagree with me, but one of the complaints I have about Revenge of the Sith is I think, I still think the fall of Anakin is rushed. I think he's a good guy, and there's about 10 minutes where he's kind of in between, and then all of a sudden, he's murdering children. And it it never felt like there was a good transition from one guy to the next. And I think in this moment of him saying, you know, I almost... It's it's a different person. I killed that person. That person does not exist. He ceases to exist. To me, is a better justification than anything else we've had. If a person says one day I'm doing great, and yeah, sure, it's the whole Joker any day bullshit. Right. I get it. Normally, I fucking hate it, but I liked it here because again, we go from a guy who loves his wife and is about to have babies to literally murdering children in <laughs> minutes. 
So what what is it? Well, if it's just him saying that guy just doesn't fucking exist. I was willing to kill the woman I love, the mother of my children, simply because she wanted to stop me. What other justification is there? I'm just glad we actually vocalized it and we said it and just said right. that guy fucking gone. This is who I am now. And I think it was important for Obi-Wan to hear that. See, I got a very different read on it than you did, because in, in my mind, that was Disney's way of exonerating Obi-Wan from fault in fucking, you know, leaving Anakin to die. Oh, I thought that was I thought that I read that moment much more about Anakin than I did Obi-Wan. Yeah, the, I, I liked that scene a lot. I think the only thing I actually didn't like about it is I really like thinking of Obi-Wan as a guy who comes up with his own bullshit like comes up with his own lies that he's telling all the fucking time. And he really kind of took that one from Anakin. Like Anakin yeah. just gave him that one to use later. That's true. The one issue that I do have with it is that I think to me, the real problem with the show is that you get an Obi-Wan that is, you know, reconnected to the force and much wiser and much more accepting. And that's why Gwygon shows up at the end. But at the end, or not the end, but basically the middle of Return of the Jedi, Obi-Wan wants to make the exact same mistake again <laughs> that he made in Revenge of the Sith, which is right. murder Anakin Skywalker. And I get kind of that you could say, well, he does now he doesn't believe that Anakin exists anymore, that it's just Darth Vader. But still, you know, we start Revenge of the Sith and Anakin goes to kill Dooku and Palpatine's like, you know, chop his head off. And Anakin's like, it's not the Jedi way. And so I felt leaving Anakin to live in this moment was the most Jedi thing Obi-Wan could have done to me where he messed up was leaving him burning on the lake of fire. That was Obi-Wan's ultimate sin. And so there you try to correct it. But then again, he's just going to make the ultimate sin again when he's a ghost talking to that guy's kid. Like <laughs> that part's a little weird for me. I've expended all my energy. I got nothing left on this one, man. I just think you're being a little overly critical for a thing about space wizards with laser swords for children. I, yeah, I, I'm just curious because I know a part of this, why I enjoyed it so much is I went into it thinking, man, I'm going to enjoy this. Like, I love I love you and McGregor playing Obi-Wan. I felt like he never really got a chance to, like, go with it as an actor. And I was I was interested in him doing that in this. And whatever you think about the material, I mean, he plays it. So I'm just curious, did I mean, did you kind of think you were going to hate it going into this or did you just it just genuinely did not entertain you? It just did not entertain me. I I mean, look, I'm as excited as anybody to see Ewan McGregor back because I love him as Obi-Wan. Uh, right. And definitely, you know, again, I, I think the writing for everybody, including him, is awful. But I think he gives it his gosh dang darndest, uh, especially squaring him up against Ice Cube Jr. It is like night and day uh, <laughs> on line delivery. Yeah. I should say a lot of the secondary cast was not great. I did not care about Ice Cube's son. I did not care about the long neck chick from Game of Thrones. Yeah, what's with her and the robot? Are they having like a romantic thing? <laughs> I, I hope so. That's but like, it's, it's implied, right? I don't think it's implied. I, I think I think it's certainly like, oh, these two are like Aunt Cassian and K2SO or whatever, which I, I would be down if those two were fucking too. Uh <laughs> So, you know, I hope I hope she fucked that robot. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say, Joseph, I do feel vindicated because all the worst racist, sexist fucks on the Internet who talk about this show agree with you. So I feel pretty good about my opinions. <laughs> <laughs>
I mean, I mean, look, I can't, I can't argue that point. I hope that we have different reasons, but you know, I don't know. The day it came out, like the reviews on IMDb were, you know, the customer reviews were so fucking bad that I was like, I got a feeling this is not about the quality. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do. I did want to say, like, to your point about the writing, like I felt anyway, this show was very, very predictable. And again, for children, that doesn't really make me mad. But when I saw people online being like, they fucking ruined canon, they killed the Grand Inquisitor. I feel like uh, that guy's fucking alive. Like, it, that's <laughs> a ploy, like that guy's fucking alive. Or being like, uh, there's no way fucking Darth Vader would tell Reva that he's Anakin Skywalker. I mean, like, man, the, shot, the show opens with children running through the halls of the Jedi Temple during Order 66. Like, Reva is very clearly one of those kids. Right. This is just basic fucking storytelling that we're doing here like this is not supposed to be smart or difficult if you're looking for that this is not the show for you um <laughs> and so like when people at the end be like it really saved itself it really came like no those were always the fucking answers that was always what was going to happen you're just too fucking stupid to see it. right right too stupid to see that uh, in a six episode thing, maybe you're not going to get everything in the first one. Yeah, it was very annoying for me. Yeah, man, talking about not getting everything in the first one, I hate that they like saved the hello there for the final episode because I want that to be I want that to be in every fucking episode, possibly multiple times an episode. Yeah. I want that to be a meme per every thirty minutes. <laughs> I would have been fine if it had not been in there. I didn't hate the moment. But it's, you know, the internet kind of kills. Hello Fuck, we, we were just looking for different things out of this. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that one, I'm on, I'm on Joseph's team. I could have I used hello there with every person he met. <laughs> uh, like, I've got a bad feeling about this. Right, yeah. Yeah, I, I will say he really nails the Alec Guinness accent and his hello there. Have you guys heard it, like, synced up together? It's I have fucking not, identical. but I know I want to. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Kenobi. I hope there's not a second season. I think there will be. It's very popular. And I think Ewan really likes that people are excited about him being in Star Wars. I mean, that's the thing. I'm excited for Ewan. That's that's where I'm torn. <laughs> I'm glad he gets just, to come back and do it. I just can't see how you and, and her, I may turn, you may turn on me on this one, but how you could sit there and say this is the worst piece of shit after the second season of Mandalorian exists, after Book of Boba Fett exists. Like, those have no plot or purpose. There's no character development in them. And look, it's fun. It's fun Star Wars shit, but there's no story to it. At least this had like character growth. And it, I think at least has a reason to exist. I'm not sure why Mandalorian is just like him going to a different planet for a carton of milk for a space baby. Like that's all that fucking show is. Uh, this actually has a point. I don't know. I can't I can't tell you what it is. I just I, I deeply, deeply hated it uh, from the core of my being. We knew it was coming, but do we really need the Liam Neeson cameo? I mean, I, OK, that that's one of my few quibbles there, because I think it could have been used better. I think it should have been used to help get over help Obi-Wan get over his, you know, force impotence. Mm. Like, mm. like. I don't know, just for it to show up at the end and say, hey, man, we're going to go this way. Yeah, I don't know yeah, if yeah. That was a great use. But, you know, whatever. I like <laughs> seeing him again. I like that they both have ghost buddies, you know, even though 
Darth Vader's is alive. He essentially seems to just communicate with holograms with his only friend. So it's nice they both have ghost buddies. I didn't hate that moment. I didn't need that moment. The only reason why I didn't want it was because I know it would have made people more mad. <laughs> <laughs> also, how well, old is Liam Neeson now? Gotta be. It's gotta be seventies, right? Seventy, yeah, at least early seventies. Yeah. I would put. I'd peg him. I mean, he looked good. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. that's so too. The wig was a little funky, but for the most part, he looked good. I also like that the whole point was of the whole show is that Obi Wan is not supposed to be like a Jedi and is in hiding, and people aren't supposed to know that he's a Jedi, and he just dresses exactly like he fucking did when he was a Jedi, hairstyle and all. Well, I will say. It is lucky that most of this Jedi intrigue took place on the planet where everybody just kind of dresses like a Jedi. <laughs> yeah. Like that, that, I guess that's why it made a good place to hide Luke. It's like, well, you know, just everybody dresses like this. Fuck it. That's always been a, a weird thing for me is that like Luke goes from wearing the same outfit that's kind of dirty to wearing like a black version of the same outfit that's pretty clean. And all of a sudden he's a Jedi Knight. Uh, and so I've always wondered like if George is like, well, fuck, how do I, how do I balance that? How do I get that right? And then, yeah, just making it so that tattoo, everyone just wears these fucking clothes. They just wear like dirty old <laughs> Jedi rags that are just on the, you know, fell off a shipping container. That's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, I think we were really off on this. We weren't expecting this vitriol from Joseph. It threw uh, me off my game. No, I had a hundred percent. I felt <laughs> it in my soul. I know where Joseph stands on most things, and I could tell watching this that he was going to hate it. Uh, I knew this was going to happen too, and I didn't want to do it either. <laughs> I would, I would say I'm standing on an island, but as Christian mentioned, I have all of the worst people in the internet in my corner. <laughs> <laughs> The people very excited that today happened. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, maybe you are an island to yourself. You're the one guy who hated it just based on you don't think it was good. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure most of those people think that's why they don't like it, but they're wrong. Let's Uh, get to what we've been watching, Joseph. We both want to talk about it. Shut up. Yeah. That's (laughs) that's Obi-Wan Kenobi. What have we been watching this past two weeks, guys? I defer to Jay Hugh. No, we're, I'm going we're gonna first? get stuck. We're gonna get stuck on a thing for a while, so you okay. might as well go first. Uh, okay, uh, you know, uh, so there were things. There are various things that got fucked by the pandemic. Uh, you know, a lot of things in music, and one of the things that really bummed me out is right before lockdown, Jimmy Eat World put out a fucking incredible record, and it basically went nowhere because they couldn't tour on it because of COVID. The name of the record was Surviving. It has like a really cool sort of 80s, almost Brian Adams-y vibe to it. It's just full of, you know, cool, fun, anthemic guitar rock. So this past week, uh, Jenny World released a new song and I was almost kind of worried about it. I was like, oh man, you know, they're, this is going to be like, if the last one rocked so much, they're going to they're going to go the other way with this one. This one will be mopey, and the world would just miss them being super rocking. I should say they didn't release a new album; they just released a song from an upcoming album. But it fucking rules. Uh, the name of the song is called "Something Loud," and it is something loud. <laughs> uh, Christian, I almost called you on the telephone about it. You fucking I liked it have. that much. Like I, what you should have. I would have loved that. Well, the thing is, first of all, I'm always worried that when I call anyone on the phone, they're going to get worried that someone's dead. Because why would I? That would have been my first thought. 100% (laughs) that would have been my first thought. Uh, But second of all, I was like, I'll just save it for the pod. 
but yeah, you should definitely check out the new song from Gene World and check out the last record too. The that if you didn't check out Surviving, Surviving's the best record since their like PK days, since like uh you know Bleed American and Futures type stuff. So uh, uh but yeah, the new song is re- really great. Uh, what, what was I was yeah, something loud. That's all I got. Look, I mean, something loud is a great you know song title, but it's also a great band name. It is. That's true. <laughs> Uh, I will second that surviving kicks ass. And if you're into like, if you can sit and watch YouTube for hours, Jimmy world has a series called the Phoenix sessions where they basically have like, I think, I think this was done during the pandemic. I don't fucking know. I, I discovered it during the pandemic, which is they have like, I don't want to say live shows. Cause it's definitely highly produced and shit like that of them playing songs off records. And there's three different versions and they do surviving as one of them. And uh, they're all worth your time. Uh, yeah, of course. I think everything by Jimmy Eat World is, is pretty much worth. I, I I totally agree. Those those Phoenix sessions are fucking awesome. They have a great energy despite there being no one in the room. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, and and yeah, I agree. I I pretty much like everything Jimmy Eat World does, but I do like them more when they rock. Yeah. Uh, on the issue of of song titles, I just discovered the Harry Styles song "Music in a Sushi Restaurant," and I think that's the greatest song title I've ever heard. <laughs> It's a pretty good title. Yeah, it is. Well, the thing that I'm going to talk about, and I hope Joseph talks about, is EXU Calamity finished this week, and it's fucking incredible. Um, Last week, last Thursday. And uh, it's so long. I mean, for four games, it's like well over 10 plus hours. The last game is like six and a half hours long. It took me like three days to watch. Um, But it just, it's just so good. It's just so, so good um, for a variety of reasons. But my favorite, my favorite reason is that you could tell, especially there at the finish line at the end, it's not just that they want to tell a story, a good story, which they do. And it's not just that they want to save any world building that had already been done, which they do. But it's that they want each other to succeed so much. And it's almost like rules be damned. It's just going to be, hey, let's go out there and like, let's do this as a group. And it really just, it just shines through um, there at the end. Uh, I had an absolute blast with this thing. I know Joseph is a little eerie on, on the beginning, but uh, we were texting each other like schoolgirls. Um, <laughs> during the finale, yeah. <laughs> during the finale. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was a blast. So, uh, you know, I, I think we talked about it a little bit when it was first coming out. It, it's a self-contained story. It's, it's deep in the past of kind of the critical role universe. Um, and it's essentially their like Tower of Babel story where it's like the hubris of man and man's uh, uh, or the mortals, I guess, command over magic causes them to think that they can uh, do anything and they are promptly proven wrong by the deities that exist in this world. It is known in in the history is like, you know, it's the calamity. It's it's like a, this enormous apocalyptic event that destroyed like two thirds of the world's population and all that kind of stuff. So like, you know what the end is going into it. And, you know, uh, Christian kind of mentioned that, you know, I was kind of iffy on the first episode or two or episode and a half ish. And I think now that I've seen the whole thing, that's because it's structured very much like a horror movie, mm-hmm. which which has, you know, kind of like this this you know slow start kind of the build up where they're like they're just like these little hints to like 
things that are going to be wrong later, but we're just kind of pushing past them and ignoring them or, or whatever. Uh, and then by the time you get to the third act, which is the fourth episode, it's just, you know, it, it's all killer. It's all payoff. It's fucking incredible. It's really, really, really good. I think, uh, you know, for, for Hurt and for other people that have been uncertain about kind of, I don't know, the amount of time required to get into Critical Role and, and kind of the backlog. That's the word I'm looking for, backlog. Uh, it's self-contained. It's four episodes. Granted, the episodes are long as shit. The last one is six and a half hours long, but by the time you get into 30 minutes into that, you're going to want to watch the rest of it. I assure you, you know, it, it's got a solid start and end. And I think, uh, you know, if, if you're looking for a way to get into the world and, and actually be confident that you can finish a story, I think it's a good, good place to start. Yeah. I don't, I, there's not really enough good things I could say. Um, as a person who's consumed a lot of D and D entertainment, uh, watching people play like, it's it's up there with some of if not the best like the the group at the table both all they all know what they're doing they know how to play the game very well but i think they have a really good chemistry Mm -hmm. together i think the way they designed their characters uh is really was was really top notch uh you know just when i talk about travis's character sarah in it is just a fucking blast he's Um, a a bird person like Mage. private eye yeah he's like he's like a 1920s gumshoe that's like exclusively uh around to destroy evil wizards in a town that's exclusively wizards <laughs> he's so much fun he's so uh, awesome <laughs> uh Abria and sam i individually i didn't really care for their characters but as like a divorced married couple who's still in love i love that dynamic i thought they played it great um i mean i just i was just Everyone, I think, is really fun. And then Brennan just is unbelievable yeah. uh, at the DMC. And what really blew me away is not only how prepared he was for all these people being like, can I go to do this place and do this thing? And he's like, sure. And he seemed like he had it willing and ready to go. But his responses in dialogue were unbelievable. Uh, I don't know if he wrote if the mages are like dragons, except they store their knowledge bit, but just fucking genius. Mm. Um, the, again, the fairy falling out of the fae, falling in love. Great. I mean, just line after yeah, line. There's, there's like, a lot of great one liners all the way through. I don't uh, know. Like, I don't know how he pulled him out of his butt. I, mean, I don't know. Either. have it ready. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it was so good. I mean, look, uh, it, it, it's got to make everybody at the table mad, or at least some of the critical role folks mad that, Sam is, you know, I think notoriously the most like underprepared of everybody. He was definitely the one that came in like they came in. You could see on their table they had like a 10 page document of backstory. And it was clear that he had read almost none of it. (laughs) But that dude can just I don't know, like he role plays in in just like uh, leagues above, you know, his his like final speech there or that whole final scene at at the what's the name of the newspaper or whatever it was. Yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember, but that that scene is just—it's unbelievable. Uh, it's it's just—it's so so good. I know everybody's probably sick of us talking about how good this dumb show where people play D and D is, but like we, we can't even sell it now about how good some of these performances are. It is funny because this is a weird thing to sell to someone because it's not like any other thing. Yeah, like yeah. you know, I understood it a lot more as as the animated show because you know that's something i understand but i i'll probably try this one again i tried the other short one but you guys said that was a bad example which is good because it bored the piss out of me but um 
I'll try this. There's there's a heavy amount of lore at the top of this one, which, mm. you know, if you've done fantasy, you're probably used to. But right. I, I can assure you there is payoff for it at the end. Right. And if you have any questions, text us. We would love to answer. We would absolutely <laughs> love to. I bet you would. Anything else, Christian? Yeah, what's, no. What you've what you been doing with your life? You're out of Vegas. Man, I drove. I am in uh, Lewiston, New York, which is like 20 minutes north of Niagara Falls. I literally drove from Las Vegas to New York in eight days, going approximately 600, 60 uh, miles an hour. So I drove a lot. I have not consumed <laughs> any media. I will say this, I, you know, a quick rundown. There is a, this is the only story I want to tell, and you don't have to include this in the episode, but there's a stretch of road going, I think it's Nevada, or it's, I think it's Utah, in the, Nevada into Utah, and it's called the Virgin Gorge. And uh, I thought, you're, you're driving you're like where the fuck is the road like the road is gone there is no more interstate and that's because it just weaves along this river in this gorge between this giant mountain range and it's so beautiful and it's so crazy and it's so terrifying pulling a <laughs> 35 foot camper through however god interstates east of the mississippi really east of denver colorado uh-huh. are just so fucking boring yeah <laughs> but driving west is gorgeous hmm. especially the utah colorado western colorado area really really beautiful it's good though i like new england so far better than transformers new england better well new york's not new england my wife would kill me if she were here right now that's true. uh but close enough uh yeah better than transformers very cool uh i don't have too much uh, besides the the exu that took up a lot of my time um, I did watch a movie that Zach from Bo- Broke Box Office has recommended for to me for years, which is uh, the Chungking Express. I think it's just called Chungking Express. It's a Chinese movie. It's uh, kind of a slice of lifey thing told in two parts about two different, maybe star-crossed relationships. Relationships is a strong word. Encounters is almost a better word uh, between potential romantic partners. I don't really know how to describe it. Besides that, it's I know like people like Tarantino have cited it as an influence and you can totally see that like the kind of the style of very naturalistic dialogue. And I don't know how to describe it. They're like character interactions that don't necessarily lead to character development. They're just conversations, right. you know, um, mm-hmm. it's good. There there's, it's got a Tony Leung. Who's the Mandarin in Shang-Chi. Oh, Shang-Chi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's very young in this. Uh, it's good. It's on HBO Max. I recommend, you know, it's like an hour, and 46 minutes. It's it's worth your time just to say that you've watched it. I know. Well, do we know what we want to do next week? I don't. I had I a, don't. I had a thought it. that's pretty accessible to all of us. I kind of want to watch that Adam Sandler basketball movie. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hustle. Because sure. people seem to genuinely like it in a in a non like shitty movie way, which makes sense because I know Adam Sandler loves the shit out of basketball. He does. There's yeah. lots of videos on TikTok or whatever of some kids just playing and then Adam Sandler showing up and like schooling them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll watch that. Sure. All right. I think it's called, is it The Hustle? Hustle? I think it's called Hustle. Yeah. Hustle. Yeah. So that's what we're going to do next week, unless something else comes up. We'll see. Uh, but thanks everybody for listening. You know, please, somebody else write in and tell what you thought about this. I'm not going to sway your opinion about this show. Insert whatever you want to in that space. You know what? Better yet, write in and tell us how you try EXU Calamity and you thought it was fucking great. Oh, no. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, any any critical role exposure that you have, please talk to us about. We will uh, are happy to talk about it anytime. So uh, please rate, subscribe, tell your friends about the podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at realphonies.gmail.com. Phone- Real you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Real Phonies on Instagram. Real underscore phonies. Thanks to Zach Evans for our and Brian Velasquez for our team. We'll see you guys later. Later.
Later.